Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's do a a classic good news, bad news top to the show today. Good news, wind and solar power are now cheaper than power from fossil fuels. Bad news, sometimes the sun goes down and the wind does not blow. The energy transition, the shift to carbon-free energy, may be the most important problem of our time. And the most important problem within that problem may be energy storage. How to take that sweet, sweet carbon-free energy we generate when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining and store it for use whenever we want it. We do have some ways to store energy for some uses. Lithium-ion batteries are good for cars, for example, but they are way too expensive for lots of use cases. Think of factories making energy-intensive things like steel or aluminum. They use tons of energy, they compete over every last cent, and it is nowhere near cost-effective for them to use lithium-ion batteries. So to bring the energy transition to industry, we're going to have to figure out new ways to store energy. Ways that are not only reliable, but also very, very cheap. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? the show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today is Andrew Ponick. He's the co-founder and CEO of the energy storage company Antora Energy. Andrew's problem is this. How can you store renewable energy in a way that is cheap enough and reliable enough to convince giant global industries to abandon fossil fuels? Andrew is really into the techno-economics of the energy transition. Basically, finding new technologies that move us away from burning fossil fuels and that make economic sense. He dropped out of Stanford to start his first company, and that company helped make big solar installations a little bit cheaper. 
Then he went back to Stanford to finish college, and he assumed at the time that there was an energy storage solution on the way, that lithium-ion batteries would just keep getting cheaper and cheaper until they were so cheap they'd meet all our energy storage needs. Then one day, he learned he was wrong. Those are some of the best moments in life when somebody tells you that, that you're wrong and you go and you reevaluate and you, you find out, man, I, I was wrong and that person was right. And, and so this particular moment for me uh, was uh, actually speaking with um, uh, a, a guy named Matteo Jaramillo, um, and he was coming out of Tesla's energy business. And so Tesla, you know, obviously most famous for making electric vehicles, but also has a, a very strong uh, business putting uh, lithium-ion batteries into stationary energy storage to support the grid. And so, you know, here I was coming with this hypothesis, hey, lithium-ion is going to do it all. And he had just left Tesla at that point and uh, essentially said, lithium-ion can't, can't do it all. We need something that's going to be far cheaper than lithium-ion. And was he saying, not only are they not cheap enough now, but they're not going to get cheap enough? Exactly. And that was the key point. What's the floor on the price? The floor on the price really comes from the materials. Eventually, the, the cost of lithium-ion batteries is going to be approaching just the cost of the lithium, you know, the, the copper. So there's a long way it can still come down, and we think it will. But that floor is still above where it needs to be uh -huh. for every Just the lithium and the copper mean it, it won't work for a lot of things. It'll be yeah. too expensive. Okay. So now you've got a problem to solve. You, you realize, oh, lithium-ion is not going to do it. What do you do? Look at everything under the sun that that might be able to do it. So we, we you know, we and and we in this case is myself and one of my two co-founders that started working together around this time. Um, we started going through every technology that you could imagine that that could store energy. We looked at you know hydrogen. We looked at compressed air. We looked at gravitational energy storage. Various types of new electrochemical batteries that are not lithium ion that might be able to store it for cheaper. And, you know, we, we make sort of toy models of all of these things to try and figure out, you know, what the cost floors for those technologies would be. And the one that really jumped out at us was thermal energy storage. We're going yeah. to spend the whole rest of the time on thermal energy storage. <laughs> but you rattled off a bunch of, of other energy storage technologies that are in use in various places or that people are trying. And so can you just mm -hmm. talk about the sort of broader landscape of energy storage for a sec? I mean, like, what is the, what's it look like? What seems promising to you or not promising? Uh, so, you know, an, an example, you know, there are lots of other electrochemistries, a lot of other different types of batteries that are not lithium ion that I think are super fascinating, definitely worth people pursuing and, and could end up being the solution for a lot of these problems. Like iron? Um, I mean, the... The guy, the guy from Tesla who, who told you lithium ion wasn't going to get there, right? He has like an iron battery company now, right? Is that what That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very interesting company doing, doing iron. Actually, there are a few companies uh, doing iron-based batteries of any sort. And interesting. Basically, iron is cheaper than lithium. I mean, is that the core proposition there or part of it? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, huge, a huge part of it. Yeah. And so a lot of interesting things going on there. Um, you know, an, an example that we just decided to, to kill entirely from our search was gravitational energy storage. This was one where just the energy density was so low that we, we didn't see a future for it. There's, there's a wonderful technique. Yeah. Just to be clear, gravitational energy storage means when you have power from whatever, a, a wind turbine, move something up, put pump water up a hill. And then when you need power later, let the water flow down and spin a turbine or something. That's gravitational. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yes. And and this is actually one of the backbones of our grid today. And this is a great technology, but it's one of those things where most of the good sites to do that, most of the good places where you can put a dam and have two reservoirs that are really different in height over just a few miles away from each other, like most of those sites have already been taken. Uh-huh. So like a good idea, but not a lot of room to do new stuff there. Exactly. Uh-huh. Great idea. We kind of tapped out the resource. Okay. What seemed like a bad idea when you're looking at different energy storage ideas? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to speak ill of any, any particular energy storage, but I'll, I'll just say there's a, a, a wide variety. And even within one broad category, there's often companies that, you know, in our view are taking really great approaches or some that are taking approaches that we just sort of scratch our head and, and, and wonder about. Fair. I'm curious, but I respect I respect your civility. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. So, so you look at these different technologies and you arrive at thermal, which basically means heat, right? Using energy when you have it to heat something up and store energy in the form of heat. So yes. why do you land there? Yeah, thermal has a, a few things going for it that really caught our attention. The first is that it has the potential to have an extremely low cost floor. So you can take some of the cheapest materials, most abundant materials on earth and get them hot. You don't need a lot of complex processing. You don't need any special metals or or, or fancy materials. It's just stuff getting hot. So it has the ability to get to really, really low cost. That was the first thing. The second thing was it had very high energy density. So a relatively small thermal battery could store a lot of energy. And Uh it, it really became apparent that there's not one energy storage problem, there's really two. The first energy storage problem is the one that everybody thinks about, which is you have excess wind and solar at some times, you need to store it somehow, and then you need to get it back as electricity for the times that you don't have enough electricity. Um, But the other uh, storage problem is the one of heat. And heat is, you know, I I would say has been historically an underappreciated part of of our energy system. We think a lot about electricity, uh, but we often don't think as much about heat. But it turns out about half of the energy we use globally is in the form of heat. So the kind of heat you're talking about, just to be clear, it's not just like making offices or factories the right temperature for people, right? It's like wildly intense amounts of heat you need to whatever, forge steel or something, right? It's like great, big, hot, industrial kind of heat. Absolutely. And and fossil fuels are really good at that, right? Like they store an incredible amount of energy. They give you a lot of heat, whatever you want it. Like it's a, it's hard to beat. I mean, if if fossil fuels weren't great, we wouldn't be you know struggling so yeah. much to make the energy transition happen on the time frame that, that we need it to. And so, yeah, fossil fuels are generally pretty cheap um, and they have the ability to have that that energy on demand. And these are the kind of commodity industries that are fighting over cents, right? The marginal cost is everything. And so if they're going to use something other than fossil fuel, it absolutely has to be as cheap and as reliable. Exactly. And those two things we always think about as far as what our customers need. They care about two things. They care about the energy being cost effective and they care about the energy being available when they need it. So you land on on heating up blocks of of carbon, right? Of of graphite. How do you how do you arrive there? Yeah. Well, we we made a spreadsheet with just every cheap material that we could find on on earth. And everything from just like rocks, you know, just like uh, different cheap? types of rocks. Let's, let's see. Rocks are cheap. Rocks are cheap, super cheap, you know, rocks, sand, bricks of various sorts, you know. We looked at all sorts of metals, iron, can you just store it in enough iron or or, or steel? Just so, heat up iron. Just, just make heat, the iron get really heat up hot. iron. Yeah. 
Exactly. Maybe even to the point that it's molten and it's liquid, you know, can you just heat up liquid iron? So lots and lots of different things there. And, you know, we tried to look at, you know, what's the cost? What's the energy density? How much energy do you store per amount of material? We looked at, are there any, you know, safety challenges, corrosion challenges, toxicity, all of those sorts of things went into it. Andrew and his colleagues eventually decide to use graphite, just like what's in a pencil. In a minute, Andrew explains why they tried very hard to convince themselves not to keep going, and then kept going anyway. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, my kids, so far. Uh, To-do lists. Uh, this month, my sugar snap peas. I know that's not always. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. So now you've got now you've got your thing. You've got your big idea. Mm -hmm. Let's heat up graphite. Let's store energy mm -hmm. by heating up graphite. Is this the moment when you try and knock yourself down where you're like, let's let's prove that we're wrong, which I like that as just a way of life. I like that philosophically. I like it intellectually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went through and we said before we actually start this company, 
we're going to spend one solid month looking for every problem that we can find. Is there any way we can kill this idea before we invest the next you know, decade of our lives into trying to commercialize this? And what were some of the most compelling devil's advocate cases against this company? Yeah. So the first one is just, can we get enough of this stuff uh-huh. and can we do it you know, at, at a reasonable cost? And, and what we found really quickly there was that the graphite and carbon supply chain is enormous. So whatever we were doing for the next you know, decade, even if we were getting to tear what our scale was going to be a, a rounding error on the size of that industry. So that was really important to us. Was there anything that almost made you not do it? Anything where that was uncertain, but you decided on balance it was worth trying anyway? The hardest part was how to move the heat. And so with this, there, there are two ways you could, you could imagine. You could try to move the graphite. And we actually looked at some crazy concepts early on of like, could you move this hot graphite in some way? It's just like a hot block of carbon. Exactly. Seems hard to move. Seems like you don't want to be moving that. We decided we really didn't want to move around these hot blocks of carbon Uh, or or even like carbon, you know, gravel or, you know, some other thing Uh that maybe would be would be easier. It it all it all just ended up being really kludgy. The, The other way that you might do it is find a different material that's a liquid that can withstand those temperatures and that is compatible with graphite. Uh, and then pump that around. Uh-huh. And so that was m- maybe a little bit easier to imagine than moving the, the hot graphite itself, but it ended up having a whole host of other problems. And the solution that we had that we weren't sure was going to work at all, one of those light bulb moments was when you get stuff really hot, it starts to glow. It's emitting light. It's incandescing. And that light itself is actually carrying a tremendous amount of energy with it. It turns out that most heat transfer at high temperatures is actually mediated by light, by thermal radiation. That is not at all intuitive, right? When you think of the hot thing, you don't think that it's the light that is actually carrying the heat, right? That is is not the way it feels. Yeah. So what, what that meant was that we could try to have a system that didn't use a heat transfer fluid, that didn't use some liquid we were pumping around. If we were able to come up with the right geometries and systems to use light to move heat around in the system, we could theoretically have this really, really simple, you know, reliable, nice system. But we weren't sure if there were going to be any geometries uh, or system designs that would work well enough to solve that problem. But uh-huh. it, we, we at least had a shot with, with this using light to move the heat. So that part seems quite hard still, right? In this universe, when you're thinking like, will this work? thinking like, well, maybe we could use light as the sort of vector to get the heat from the block of graphite to where we need it to be, right? Like that sounds complicated and hard. It's wildly hot. It's just this, the idea of, of light as the sort of pipe, that sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was very hard to know if it would work. So we had to take a little bit of a leap of faith at that time that we would be able to solve that problem. You take the leap of faith, you start the company, and where are you now? Have you solved that problem? Yes, um, we we are very, <laughs> we're very, very happy to say that it worked out as well, or maybe even better than we were hoping at the start, the, the ability to use light to, to move the heat within the system. And it really is just, you know, clever use of void space within the system is the answer. You just need to have spots where there isn't carbon so that the light from certain areas of the system can travel to another area of the system because it's going through that that empty space. Yeah. I mean, what it, this might be a bad sort of analogy, but it, what it makes me think of is fiber optics, where you have basically a, an empty pipe, right? And you're flashing light through it, and you're sending data 
as light. Yeah, it's it's not a terrible analogy. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to have any material to kind of carry the light in where it's just void space, but it is, uh-huh. it's, but there are parts of our system that very much look like light pipes. It's, you know, kind of a long void space that allows heat from deep within the system to be brought all the way to the surface of the system just by light kind of radiating through a cavity. Through empty space. Um, through empty space. So where are you now? So you have this thing, it works, like, does it exist in the world for real? We we started small. We built smaller prototypes, things that were kind of bench scale. We moved up to stuff that you would, you know, put in a warehouse. And now we're actually nearing uh, the completion of construction of our first pilot project. Okay. And so this is, I think, something that's a little bit bigger than a, a half shipping container. So okay. kind of a big steel box that's filled with graphite blocks and then insulation and that's storing megawatt hours of, of energy in the form of that stored heat. And this is going at a, a customer site in the Central Valley of California. The customer is Wellhead Electric, and their business is largely to generate both electricity and heat for customers in California. And so they're providing us a spot to do this deployment. They have a very interesting location with a natural gas power plant, with lithium-ion batteries, with a solar farm, kind of all co-located. So it's a very interesting energy playground where you can see, you know, how are these things going to have to work together in the future? And that, that's where our deployment is today. And is it running? Is it super hot right now in Fresno or wherever it is? It is not running yet, okay. but will be in the next few weeks. It's it's just about finished construction. And, and the team, uh, we are all so excited to be flipping the switch on that uh, a few weeks from now because it, it's been a, an incredible amount of work and a very fun project for all of us. So tell me, if it works, what's going to happen when you flip the switch? Hopefully not a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's always good when there there aren't too many surprises when 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 you turn things on. So you know, l- largely what's going to happen is you're going to be sending electricity into the box. That's going to be heating up relatively slowly, uh, heating up this graphite because the graphite can store so much energy. Even when we're putting in lots and lots of energy, you know, the temperature will slowly rise over 10, 20 hours. And at some point, it gets so hot that it's glowing, right? Like it's. Is it like orange? I mean, is it like like you know when a fire is really hot? Does it? What does it look like? It 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 will be hotter than that. Well, it sure, it'll be, be hotter. Hot. I know. Yeah. Be, but what does it? Yeah, what's yeah, it, yeah. What's it look like? It, it really looks looks white hot. If uh-huh. you've ever seen a picture of like a steel mill or something like okay. that with the you know steel ribbon being you know poured out of something, yeah. it's that sort of like almost blinding you know white light. Okay. Very very bright. And then so you'll have that stored energy in the form of heat, and then what'll happen to it? In the future, we'll be selling that heat. Um, But uh, right now, we're just going to be taking that heat out and making sure that we can hit all of the specs that our customers care about in the future. Can we provide heat consistently? Can we provide it at the right temperature? Are there any sorts of fluctuations or or variability of this? Those are the sorts of metrics we're going to be looking for so that when we talk to future customers, we can show them this is going to do the exact same thing that your fossil fuel burner or, or boiler does for you today, which is provide consistent heat 24-7, regardless of what's going on with, for, with the weather. So when do you think you'll be doing it for real? When do you think you'll have a, a real non-pilot paying customer using your heat? What we're looking at for the first like really large projects is likely 2025 deployments. 
And these are the, the earliest plants we're looking at are ones that are located in the wind belt. So this is places like Kansas, Texas, Iowa that have a huge amount of wind power. The best economics in the world, really, for turning variable renewable electricity into industrial heat is in the Midwest U.S. And that's because there's so much wind that's been built out there over the last decade that you actually have wind that's being curtailed or sold at negative prices a decent chunk of the time. So you think about, you know, maybe it's uh, nighttime, the wind's blowing really hard, there isn't that much electricity demand, there isn't enough transmission capacity to send that electricity to So you can you get know, energy else. for free, basically. You just got to exactly. be able can, to store it. Exactly. You can get energy for free, importantly, for only a small number of hours of the year. Yeah. So you can't get it for free all the time. Yeah. But if you have something that can absorb that energy really quickly, you can just shove that energy into a box, turn it into heat, then that energy can be nearly free. In a minute, the lightning round, including one essential lesson about engineering and why Andrew went back to college after first dropping out, starting a company and selling. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. We're going to close with the lightning round. 
I want to do a lightning round. I want to ask you just a bunch of weird questions. All right, I love it. Um, I've heard you talk about this one class you took, I believe with Bill Daly, who's now at NVIDIA. I've heard you talk about it as really influential on the way you think sort of broadly about, really about engineering, right? About the the sort of discipline of of engineering. What was the essential thing you learned from him? Uh, Bill Daly was an in, incredible mentor, incredible teacher. Um, the the thing that I I really learned from him was how to boil problems down to their essence. And this is you know in every field, engineering is not unique this way. It's so easy to get uh, sort of confused or, or you know flustered by all of the complexity in a problem, but in most cases, a huge portion of that complexity can be ignored because it, it isn't going to be important to the outcome. With the weather, you prefer too hot or too cold? I love too cold over too hot. Same. I'll take a New York winter over a New York summer all day. Agreed. Um, yeah. So you, if I understand it right, dropped out of college, started a company, sold it, and then went back to college. Why'd you go back? The funny answer is because I promised my parents I would go back to college. Also um, true, and that, that's, funny and true. Yeah, also uh, fu funny and true. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved my time uh, at, at Stanford. I, I think it was one of the best experiences of my life. Then the question is, so why'd you drop out? Yeah, so I was working with a, a team of incredible people and on this project that, that became my, my first company, Dragonfly. And it was it was not a choice. It felt so important to us to make sure that the technology we were working on got out in the world and made a difference that there was almost no question in our minds that that was the right thing for us to do. And that is what I, what I advise people when I've had people ask, you know, who are thinking about, you know, dropping out to start a company. I say, if you're, if you're questioning whether you should do it or not, probably just, just stay in school. If everything goes well, what problem will you be trying to solve in say five years? Ooh. Probably in five years, international expansion is going to be one of the biggest parts of what we're doing. We see a pretty clear path within the U.S. market and to some extent the, the North American market, but we're not going to be satisfied unless we're making global impact. And so five years from now, that's what we're going to be doing. And that, that's hard. That's hard for, for any company, and it'll certainly be hard for us as well. I mean, the U.S. market is very big. Like if, if that's where you are, right, that's, that's good. That's a happy story. It might be a happy story from a, a business perspective, uh, but it's not a happy enough story from a climate perspective. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. is you know less than 10% of emissions. I mean, I guess the related question is, can other people just do what you're doing? Like, how much IP do you have? If it works well, could a lot of people do it? And, and there's different ways to play that, right? That could be a happy story if what you want is for everybody in the world to do it. Or it could be a sad story if you're like, oh, everybody's stealing our IP. <laughs> I, I, I love that framing. How would you feel if... Lots of other people did versions of what you did, and it worked. I would feel great about that, personally. And, and I think our team would as well. I have a lot of confidence in our ability to, not just because we have IP, but also because we're going to execute well, be the leader in this area. But if, if you told me that 15 years from now, almost every industrial site around the, the world either has an, a thermal energy storage box with graphite in it or is planning to get one, and that somehow Antora wasn't the supplier of those, I would still say, you know, we've accomplished our mission as a company. Thank you for being so generous with your time. This is Oh, thank you. Yeah. This was this was really a joy. I loved all the 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 good pressure and and you know making me say things that are not just, you know, platitudes. And I think we got into some very real but interesting things as well.
Yeah, I love learning. Uh, so me too. thank you for telling me things I didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Ponick is co-founder and CEO of Antora Energy. Today's show was produced by David Shaw, edited by Sarah Nix, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. How do you create present and future value? As a leading provider of specialized finance, operations, and technology advisory services for Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors, cross-country consulting solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value. With tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transaction solutions, CrossCountry works as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team. The future-ready business, insight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. Hey, it's Jacob. Did you know that you can listen to What's Your Problem on Amazon Music? And you can stream your favorite albums and artists in the app, so you can do all of your listening in one place. Plus, Amazon Prime members get access to ad-free podcasts from other podcast networks like Wondery and Amazon-exclusive shows. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app, or just ask your Alexa device to play the podcast What's Your Problem on Amazon Music.